We're going to go back to the book of 1 Timothy here this morning. We studied there last week, and as I was reading through again this book, came to another passage of Scripture, the end of 1 Timothy chapter number 4, and uh, I want to look at this passage of Scripture here with you this morning as well. 1 Timothy chapter number 4. We find in the New Testament, First and Second Timothy, Titus and Philemon, these are all written by Paul to specific men. These were men that Paul had trained and, and were developing. And, and as we looked last week, Timothy was one of those men that Paul was investing his life into. And so we find here that Paul is writing, he's challenging Timothy. Timothy is a pastor. He is uh, uh, leading a, a group of, of people here at Ephesus. And uh, in 1 Timothy chapter number 4, let's begin reading this morning in verse number 12. The Bible says this, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. In verse number 14, he goes on to instruct Timothy. He says, Neglect not the gift that is in thee which was taken thee by prophecy, or given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. In verse number 15, Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. And I want to look at verse number 16 here this morning and pay close attention here, if you would, as we read verse 16. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them. And look at this last part of this verse. For in doing so, for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. And we saw last week, we saw where... Timothy was challenged by Paul to be a a good minister of Jesus Christ. And he said in verse number six, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, and we studied what were those things he said to put the brethren in remembrance of. And he said, if you'll do this, you'll be a good minister of the gospel. But in verse number 16, he says this, for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee challenge us today not to concentrate on Paul. Although Paul is the author of this, we understand as Bible believers that this is Paul's writing, but he was inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. This is the Holy Spirit using Paul to to pen these words. And so when we look at this portion of Scripture, this is not just Paul talking to Timothy. This is the Holy Spirit of God using Paul to to pen these words, to instruct Timothy, and these are for our instruction here this morning as well. And so as we look at this, we need to realize this. This is, yes, it's a letter from Paul, but it's also the Word of God, and it's important for us, and it's encouraging, I pray, to us this morning as we look at this portion of Scripture. I want you to turn to with me to 1 Timothy chapter number 1 here this morning as well. 1 Timothy chapter number 1. I want you to look with me in verse number 3. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mayest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. 
And so Paul is saying to Timothy, as you're there at Ephesus, as I've left you there to pastor this church here at Ephesus, I, I want you to, I want you to teach them. I want you to, to instruct them and make sure they understand the word of God. Don't allow them to, to go astray, but teach them doctrine. It's important. Paul suffered much during his missionary journeys. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 16, and we're just, just setting the stage so we understand what Paul is doing and where Paul is at and, and how and why he's instructing Timothy with these words. In Acts chapter number 16, Paul, then came he to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus. This is Timothy. This is, this is a Timothy that Paul is instructing. This is Timothy. For some reason, uh, uh, Paul finds something in Timothy that he uh, feels that he can invest himself in. And so we find here as he comes here, there's a man named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek. Here, Timothy, his mother was a believer. His mother was a follower of Christ, but his father was not. The Bible goes on to say, which was well reported of, the, uh, of by the brethren that were in Lystra, in Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters. For they knew that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so here Paul finds this young man named Timothy. Timothy's probably in his 30s or so. He's a young man. He's, he's got a mother that loved the Lord and, and taught him. He's got a good reputation. And, and Paul comes across him. And, and I don't know what Paul saw in him, but Paul saw something in Timothy and felt that it was worth investing himself in. And Timothy then learns by the hand of Paul and he travels with Paul and he learns from Paul and Paul is giving him everything the Lord gives to Paul. Paul is investing this in the life of Timothy. And we find then back in, in uh, Timothy, go back to 1 Timothy chapter 4 again with me if you would please. We find where now Paul is writing. He's no longer with Timothy. He's instructing Timothy through this letter. There was time that he was with Timothy. There was time that, that they, they, they were side by side and Timothy was learning firsthand. But now Timothy is pastoring this church. And Paul is caring for him and in, in, in helping him. Praying that the Lord would help Timothy to become a pastor that would help other men. Look in verse number 12, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. He says to Timothy, there this, Timothy probably being a young man, he was saying this, don't let others, don't let others use your age or your youthfulness to, 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 to destroy you or talk about you. He said, but what you need to be is an example of the believers. First, I want you to see here is Paul's instruction to Timothy. I believe is an instruction that each and every one of us here ought to, ought to take that our responsibility now that we're saved is to be an example of believers. Others ought to see you and say that is what a believer should be. That's how a believer talks. That's how a believer behaves. That's how a, be a believer lives. He says to Timothy here, be an example. Be an example. 
He goes on to say, but, but be thou an example of believers. And he tells him exactly how to be that example. Don't you like when someone tells you to do something and also is clear on what they're asking as well? Paul doesn't just say be an example, but he says be an example and this is how I want you to be an example. This is, this is what I'm challenging you with. He says, when others see you, they can't see a young man. What they need to see is somebody that is a follower of Jesus Christ. Somebody that they can look to and say, that's what I want to be in my life. He goes on in this same verse and he begins to share with Timothy. He says, but be thou an example of believers in word. First thing he says is in word. What you say. Wonderful testimony this morning. I appreciated the, him here uh, uh, sharing that testimony with us. And I want to add this. Not only have you looked for God in things this week, which is a wonderful thing, but I want to challenge you with this. As Paul is challenging Timothy, I want to challenge you. Have you been an example in word this week? Could someone listen to your conversation and say, that person is saved? Has someone listened to you? If someone were to hear every conversation that you have had, the ones that you had in private, the ones that you had with your closest friends, the ones that you've had with your family, the ones that you've had in public, the ones that you've had in the workplace, could someone hear the conversations that you have had and would someone say, that is what a believer ought to be like? That is what the believer speaks about. You know, I want to challenge you, that's not just what you talk about in public. Do you know, I want my wife to see me as an example of a believer. Yeah, I care. I care what others in the church think. I, I care. I care what Paul thinks about me and when we're speaking. And I, I care what, what others think about me publicly. But you know who I want to believe I'm a believer and use an example and say, I want to be like that? I want the people closest to me in word, those that hear my voice, those that in my home, I want my wife to say that is an example of the believer. I want my son to say, everything I hear at home, everything I hear in private, everything I hear my dad say, now that is an example of a believer. I want my young girls to, to hear conversation, and I want them to say, now that is an example of a believer. I want those closest to me. I want those that I work with, those that are on staff, those that we share dreams with, those that we work together with, those that we share the gospel together with, those that we go out and we do the work of the Lord together. I want those men to say, now that is an example of a believer. You know, sometimes we get caught with our words not identifying us as Christians. And Paul was challenging Timothy, and he said, Timothy, your words, your words ought to show people you're a Christian. You know, it's challenging Timothy. You know, sometimes we tell jokes or we think things are funny. Probably Christ doesn't think they're funny at all. Sometimes we can get in conversation and begin to talk about people and rip people apart, and I don't think Christ would be involved in that conversation. 
Sometimes we get into our world and we think that we're right and everything we believe is right and we start spewing things out and Christ would not be a part of that conversation at all. But Paul says to Timothy, if you, if you want to be an example of believers, you must watch your words. He goes on to say this as well. He only, not only says in word, he says in conversation, in charity. How you love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. You know, our faith should identify us as Christians. Here he says, I, I want you to be an example of believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith. Listen, how we live, it ought to show others that we are an example of Christ. A Christian ought to live by faith. A Christian ought to be doing things that God has put on our heart to do. A Christian ought to be living in such a way where others could see it and say, boy, that's the faith I want to possess. That's the way I want to live. That's the relationship with the Lord I want to have. There's got to be something different. That person is a believer of Jesus Christ. And so first I see this. Paul challenges Timothy. Be an example of a believer. Do you know what this world needs? Christians who behave like Christians. You know, I thought, I thought after the political season was done in our country that some of the things would go away. But boy, I think it's worse now than it's ever been. I, I like to watch the news, but sometimes I just have to turn it off. It just becomes, just becomes ugly. It becomes ridiculous to see and hear. That's not the life of the Christian. The Christian ought to go out into a dark world. A Christian ought to go out into a, a, a faithless world. A Christian ought to go out into a, a world where, where, where uh, people are just back and forth at each other and be a light and be, be, the, be a witness and be different. And the world ought to see how we act. The world ought to see how we behave. The world ought to see how we respond and say, that must be how a Christian lives. Christian, I want to remind you that we are to live our lives in such a way that no one questions that we're a Christian. I believe this. I believe that you ought to lift up your voice and share the gospel with people. I know there was this, this lifestyle evangelism. Just let them see how I live. And if they see how I live, then, then they'll become a Christian. No, no, I, I believe there's more than just living it. I believe you've got to share the gospel. But I ought to believe, I believe this as well, that if you're going to share the gospel, they ought to see it in how you live. I believe you ought to take the gospel to every living creature. That's what the Bible says. I believe that you ought to, to take the time to share the gospel with those that you come in contact with. That's what the Bible says. But Paul also is challenging Timothy to live it. Oh, my neighbors, my neighbors ought to see there's something different about that home where that family lives. And it's not just because their kids are outside and playing all the time, but there's something different. There's something different at home. They get along. They don't fight. They, 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 the police aren't called there every, every weekend. They, they don't have uh, bottles of beer and wine and whiskey in the, in the trash, you know, when it comes to be picked up. There's something different about that family. They walk out of their house with Bibles in their hands several times a week, you know, there's something different but you listen to me I want to submit this they ought to see there's something different but they ought to hear from us what's different 
We ought to speak the truth and we ought to live the truth. Christians ought to live in such a way where others never question that you're a Christian. You and I ought to live a life as an example. And I find here that Paul says in verse number 12, first of all, be an example of a believer. And I want you to see in verse number 13 as well, he goes on to say this, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortations, to doctrine. You see those three words, till I come? Circle those words, write those words. You know what Paul's saying? I'm coming. And I'm going to hold you accountable. You know, I think accountability is, is a wonderful thing for a Christian. Paul has invested himself in the life of Timothy. He, in Acts chapter 16, we read where he comes across this young man named Timotheus and, and he, and he brings him along and he lets him go with him and he's teaching him and instructing him and, and giving him what, what, what God gave to Paul. And Paul is investing this in Timothy and he says to Timothy, I, I want you to behave in such a way where others see that you're a Christian. And guess what? I'm coming. And but till I come, these are the things that I desire for you to do. What he was saying to Paul, Paul was saying to Timothy is this, I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to check on these things when I come. I want you to be found faithful. You know, Christian accountability is a good thing. I think every, every single person ought to have someone they're accountable for too. Be accountable to those that have invested in your life. I, I think of, I think of, of, of a, a pastor by the name of Sally Nizzi. Actually, he's coming to do our, our marriage retreat in March. Now, I remember him as a young man in the ministry. He gave me an opportunity to, to come on staff. And I, I remember time sitting in his office and learning from him. I, I remember as he was making decisions as a pastor and I was on staff just watching and listening. I remember the times that we'd get in the car together and we'd go visiting. I remember the times where we went through the neighborhood and knocked on doors and shared the gospel with, with the neighbors. I remember counseling times. I remember the times that he took and he invested himself in me. I want to be accountable to men that have invested in me. I remember growing up and the dad that was passionate about starting churches and seeing people saved. There's some men that have invested in me. Every month or so, I'll get a phone call and we'll talk for a good period of time about how things are going and in, in, in instruction and, and ask questions from a man I spent 10 years with on staff in Cincinnati, Bill Dutry. I, I enjoy the conversations. You know, he's invested something in me. And he'll ask me, how's this? Or how are you doing here? He'll ask me, what are you studying? He'll ask me, what are you reading? Accountability is a good thing. Christian, we ought not live our lives lacking accountability. We ought to live our lives in such a way where somebody says, till I come. Somebody's invested in us. Somebody is, is, is put themselves in, poured themselves into us. And Paul here is saying, till I come. Accountability is a wonderful thing. He says, first of all this, to the reading. He says, till I come, give attendance to reading. Now, he's not just talking about any old book there. He's talking about the Word of God. 
He says, put attendance to reading. Make that a priority. Make sure the Word of God is a priority in your life. Listen, each and every one of us ought to be sure that the Bible is the most prominent thing in our life. The Bible has the most prominent place in our life. Our church should never get to the place where something else is more important to the church. The Word of God, the reading of the Word of God, the preaching of the Word of God, the Word of God ought to remain always the most prominent thing in this church and in your life. He says, I want you to Give attendance to, to reading. No matter what, we must keep the Word of God the most important thing. He goes on to say this, till I come, give attendance to reading, give attendance to exhortation or to exhorting or, or preaching. What the Bible says, thus saith the Lord. Preaching reading the Word of God, and then teaching what the Word of God says. He says to doctrine, till I come, give attendance to reading, give attendance to exhortation, give attendance to doctrine. You know, everything is centered on doctrine. I um, have been last, well, last 18 years, 20 years ago, I was in a car accident and had some issues with my back and a couple months ago really started bothering me as well and so I had some issues in my back. You know what I found? When your skeleton, when your back has problems, you have problems. Could you imagine? Could you imagine what the body would be like without a skeletal frame? You'd just be like jello. You'd just be a blob. You'd be kind of like a blob moving around. Doctrine is the same way. Doctrine is our foundation. It's what holds us together. It's important. There's some that say this, that doctrine only divides. Yeah, doctrine does divide. And it should divide. You ought to know what you believe. You ought to know why you believe it, so that you can teach it to someone else as well. He says this, that, 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 uh, give attendance, give attendance to doctrine. Doctrine holds everything in place. We can't be a group of people that come together and everyone just believes whatever they want to believe and does whatever they want to do and, and teach whatever they want to teach. No, we've got to go back to the Word of God. The Word of God is what we believe. The Word of God is what we teach. Doctrine is important. It isn't what I think is right. It's what the Bible says is right. It's not for me to decide if I like something that the Bible has to say or not like something. It's not for me to decide or you to decide what we're going to believe and what we're not going to believe. We've got to believe the whole counsel of the Word of God. We've got to believe every doctrine of the Word of God. It's important. Salvation. Salvation is only one way. It isn't, well, I can just believe however I want to believe. There's the doctrine of salvation. There is only one way for a person to be saved, and that is through the faith of Jesus Christ because of what he's done is his death, his burial, and his resurrection. It isn't for us to decide that we can find salvation in some other man or some other way or some other religion. Salvation is not found in any other man. Salvation is not found in religion. Salvation is found in Jesus Christ, and that's what the Bible says, and, that, and it's not for us to decide if we believe it or not. We've got to believe the Word of God. Jesus was born of a virgin. 
He wasn't born of just a young maiden. He was born of a virgin. There's a difference. We believe in the, in God. We believe in the Son. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Those are doctrines that we believe in. Paul says, till I come, till I come, give attendance to reading. Make the Word of God prominent in your life. Give attendance to, to, to exhortation, to the preaching and the teaching of God's Word. And give attendance to doctrine. Be firm and understand what the Bible says and teach it and live it and don't let false doctrine get in. So first of all, he says, I want you to be an example. Second of all, he says, till I come, there's going to be accountability. And third, I want you to see this morning. In verse number 14, the Bible says, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given by the prophecy, which the laying on of hands, what he's, what he's saying is this, there's a gift that you were given. And we believe this, and, and uh, we might call it ordaining uh, a young man and, and uh, ordaining them to the ministry. The, the church would lay their hands on that person and ordain them to go out and, and, and be a minister of the gospel. We still do that today. What Paul was saying to Timothy is those gifts that you were given, don't neglect. Don't neglect what God's given you. Thirdly, I want you to see that Paul's saying, neglect not the gift that is in thee. Listen, each and every one of us receive spiritual gifts at salvation. Now, we're not talking about the, the talents that you were born with. We're talking about spiritual gifts that you got given by God. Every single person has something that God has equipped you and enabled you to do. Every single person ought to be doing what God has called you to do. Every single person ought to be using the gifts that God has given you. The day that you got saved, God says, now there's something that I have for you. Here's some gift or gifts I've given you so that you you can go forth and, 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 and glorify the Lord with your life. Every single person has something to give the Lord. Don't look at what somebody else has. Look inside and say, what has God given me? And, and, and Paul says to Timothy, don't neglect it. Don't neglect it. Use what God has given you. I would say this morning the same thing. We as Christians ought not neglect what God has given us for His glory. You know, God has put together a church, a called out assembly. He's put together a church. And in that church, those are believers that He's put together. In each one of those believers' lives, He has given you a gift. He has given you something so that you could use, so that He receives glory through you. What is that gift He has given you? And Paul says to Timothy, don't neglect what God has given you. Don't waste. Don't waste the gifts. My daughter got a set of my uh, Chloe got a set of Uno cards. I didn't know a five-year-old knew how to play Uno. But I sat the other night and watched her beat my wife three times in a row. My wife had to resort to cheating in order to beat her five-year-old daughter. She got this gift for Christmas. And she uses that gift all the time. I was just sitting there reading last night, going over my notes, and she comes over and she says, Dad, you want to play Uno? And before she said, got it all out of her mouth, she had the hand dealt in giving me the cards and had her card down already. I say, all right, one game. Then she beats us. And we say, all right, two games, best out of three. Here we go. 
One thing she hasn't done is she hasn't neglected using that gift she got for Christmas. I wish she would. <laughs> she uses that so much, she, the cards have been bent now just over the last couple weeks, and she's dealing it, and she knows from the bent card what, what card she has. Oh, I know what that is. <laughs> I know what that is. And we taught her it's not nice. It's not nice to be mean to people. So she calls uh, a draw twos and skips and draws four. She calls them blessings. And now if you're going her way, she says, I've got blessings for you. <laughs> She's not neglected her gift. She's been given something and she wants to share it. Listen, each and every one of us, you've been given something by God, and you ought to desire to use it. It's been given to you by God. He's placed it in your life so that through that using of that gift, He receives glory. Each and every one of us as a child of God ought to live our life in such a way where, where we're an example of believers and others see what we are. We ought to live in such a way where others desire it and we live in such a way that we're using our gifts so through our life, God receives glory. Christian, why would we want to live any other way? Why would we want to live our life with, with our priorities more important? Why would we want to live our life the way we want it to be? Why would we want to live our life how we desire it when God says, now that I've saved you, I've gifted you, and now that I've gifted you, I want you to use that so you can bring glory and honor back to God. Why would we want to live any other way? But Paul says to Timothy, don't neglect it. We don't do anything for God on our own. I was listening to a story of someone that used that word I a lot. I built this, and I did this, and I did this, and took the credit for a lot of things. And I was, I was listening to that story, I thought to myself, where's God in all that? Sad that someone would live their life thinking that everything good they've done. Sad that someone would live their life and look back and, 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 and say, I've done this and leave God out. No, if you've done anything good, it's by the hand of God. Anything good we see is by the hand of God. We don't do anything for ourselves. God is the one. God is the one that enables us. God is the one that gives us strength. God is the one that gives us ability. Don't ever get idle. I believe he's saying to Timothy here, neglect not the gift. Don't get idle. Don't get to the place where you just kind of putt through life. Don't get idle. Use that gift. Exercise that gift. Do what God's told you to do with passion. Verse number 15, look with me. Few, next few moments of my time here, I want to get to verse 15 and 16. If you allow me, the Bible says meditate upon these things. Meditate. So right before he finishes this chapter, he says to Timothy, stop. Think about these things. You know, Christian, I believe this. We live our lives so busy and so hectic anymore. We don't take the time to meditate. We don't take the time to stop. 
He says, Paul says to Timothy, this is how I want you to live. This is how I desire for you to live till I come. This is what I want you to do and use your gifts and don't get idle and have passion. But he says, stop and meditate upon these things. Think about these things. I believe he's telling Timothy here to meditate upon these things because he's saying, don't lose what you've been taught. Don't lose what you've been taught. Sometimes, Christian, we get so much put into us, but we don't stop. We don't think. We don't plan. We don't, we don't, we don't, uh, on purpose begin to apply those things to our life and we lose it. I asked you when we were starting service, telling you about the activity this evening. Most all of you raised your hand about skating. I asked my wife last night, I said, you gonna put skates on? My wife hasn't skated for years. Long time. Matter of fact, we've been married 18 years. I don't think she's skated in that 18 years. I'm going just to watch her skate tonight. Or fall, or whatever it's going to be. I'm going to hold her up. Some of you, when you were younger, you might have said, boy, I was a good skater. You probably could skate backwards, couldn't you? Huh? You ever see those guys, they skate backwards and they weave in and out and, you know, you just want to put your skate out there when they come by. But if you don't do it, you lose it. Several years ago, we thought it would be a good idea to rent bikes and the whole family go for a bike ride. Well, I hadn't ridden a bike since I was a kid. I mean, it's funny to watch someone that knows how to ride a bike that hasn't ridden one for a while get on a bike, isn't it? And they start pedaling and they look like they're wobbly and eventually you pick it up. But there was, is there something in life that you were good at but you haven't done it for a while? And now you're a little rusty at it? If you stop framing houses, Brother Gagne, for several years and then you just pick a hammer up, there's probably some things you'd lose, right? And Paul is saying to Timothy here, don't lose what you've been taught. Stop for a moment. Meditate. Think about these things. Give thyself wholly to them that they profiting may appear to all. Don't get distracted. You know... Satan wants to throw things in your life to distract you. How many of you have been distracted this week? Satan throwing something in your life. I have. He'll do anything he can to get you off course. He'll use anyone he can to get you distracted. Because if we can get distracted, we stop thinking about these things. We get our mind off of these things. But I think it's important every so often, Christian, that we do what Paul tells Timothy, that we stop and we meditate, think upon these things so that we don't get distracted, so that we don't run the race in vain, so that we don't live our life not pleasing the Lord, so that we stay the course that God's called us to. Give thyself wholly to them. In verse number 16, the Bible says, take heed to thyself. Do you see that? The first thing to do 
is to take care of yourself. Do you know, so many people are so busy looking at what everyone else is doing that they don't realize their own life is falling apart. They're so concerned of what everyone else is doing. And Paul says to Timothy, take heed to thyself. Be sure you got your life in order. Oh, as you're a pastor and you're teaching and you're preaching, it's so easy to get off and look at other things and get your mind distracted and get your mind on other people. But he says this, make sure you're taking heed to yourself. Make sure your life is in order. Make sure your private life is in order. Make sure what you're doing in private is pleasing the Lord. Make sure what you're doing in public is pleasing the Lord. Make sure that every aspect of your life, take heed thyself. Make sure you apply these things to yourself first before you try to get somebody else to follow. You know what I find? Many Christians want others to be the Christian they aren't themselves. They want others to live to a standard they aren't living to. They want others to be what they're not. And oh, they can point out, hey, look, look, look what that person's not doing. And the whole time they're not living it either. What Paul was saying to Timothy, Timothy, you've got to preach. You've got to live an example of believers. You've got to be that example. You've got to take heed. You've got to give attendance to these things. But make sure you've got those things right in your life so that others, when they see you, see an example. Take heed to thyself. Take heed to doctrine. Doctrine means what... It means this, what our belief system is, what we teach. He says, take heed to those things. Doctrine is important. Take heed to doctrine. See that in verse 16? Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. A Christian must know your doctrine so that you can teach it to those coming behind you. Continue in them. Listen, so many people want something new. We don't, we ought not be seeking something new. We just need to continue in what the Bible already says to do. I close with this. I want you to see this. These last words here, I find this very interesting. He says this, for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Now, when you read that, you say that save thyself. He's already saved. Timothy is saved. We're not saved by works. We're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Why don't you turn real quick with, with me to Hebrews chapter number 9, and we'll be through here this morning. Hebrews chapter number 9 this morning. I want you to think about this thought. We are saved. You're saved by recognizing that you're a sinner, confessing that sin, believing that Jesus Christ died upon the cross. He shed His blood to be the payment of your sin. He died, He was buried, and He rose again. The Bible says this, if you believe that, you shall be saved. You're saved 
because of the finished work of the cross. There's nothing you can do to, to merit that. There's nothing you can do to earn that. You could be a good person all your life, but unless you've trusted in Jesus Christ, you're not saved. You can give all your money to the church, but unless you've trusted in Jesus Christ, you're not saved. You could be a, a member. Matter of fact, you can even go through the waters of baptism, but unless you're saved, unless you've repented and confessed and trusted Jesus Christ, you can't be saved. Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 24, the Bible says this, For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Do you see that? For us. Look with me in verse number 26. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away uh, sin by the sacrifice of himself. Look at that if you mark in your Bible, the sacrifice of himself. Look with me in verse number 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall, be, shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. I, I want you to just look at, at and circle that. Him shall he appear. We're saved, we're being saved, and we shall be saved. Now think about this. We're saved, we're saved the moment we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. We're justified, we're saved. Heaven is secured. I'm a child of God. The Holy Spirit of God comes and indwells inside of me. I'm saved. I'm being saved. You say, what does that mean? I'm being saved from the power of sin. Verse number 24, sanctification. I'm still in this body and I, and, and, and I don't have to give in. I don't have to give in to the power of sin. I don't have to yield myself to sin. Christ is there at the right hand of the Father interceding for me. And thirdly, I want you to see this in verse number 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many unto them that took for him shall, uh, uh, shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. You know what? I'm being saved. I, I'm saved. I'm being saved and I shall be saved. I shall be saved. And when I'm, when I'm in heaven, there's no more sin has no more power once we're in heaven. I'm saved the moment I trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. I go through this sanctifying process as a, as a believer. And one day, one day, one day, I never have to see sin again. One day I'm going to get to heaven. There's not going to be any more sin. There's going to be no more pain. There's going to be no more sickness. There's no, going to, no more trials. There's no more temptations. I don't have to worry about sin. When Christ died, he conquered death with his death. He destroyed the power of Satan. Listen, I believe this, that Jesus met him there on the cross. He, he suffered the wrath of God. He paid the sin debt in full. He died. He was buried. And as Satan thought that he had the victory, as Satan thought that he had all mankind, as Satan thought that there was no hope, as Satan thought that it was finished, God sent his son. He met him there at the cross. And, God, and Jesus said, wait, there's an answer. We're saved because of what Jesus Christ has done. 
I'm reminded of that verse, Revelation 1, 18. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And right in the middle of that verse, he says, amen. He like amens himself there. I am he that liveth. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And he goes on to say this, and I have the keys of hell and of death. You see, it doesn't stop there. Not only am I saved, I have Him interceding for me. I don't have to give in to sin. I don't have to live a life of sin. I don't have to to give in to temptation. There's power over sin. He ever lives making intercession for us. He's saving us from the power of sin and He's also saved us one day from the presence of sin. Paul says to Timothy, if you do these things, you'll save yourself and those that hear. Saved. We're saved because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We're being saved, sanctified because He's interceding for us on our behalf. We don't have to give in to the power of sin. And, and, and one day we're going to be in a glorified body where sin can no longer touch us. Oh, it's a wonderful thing. 